Well, today, we're going to conclude our study of the Old Testament book of Daniel. Our journey through Daniel's pages began with the dramatic stories worthy of a mini-series. Dramatic stories that make up the first half of the book. And those straightforward accounts demonstrated that it is possible to live in a spiritually corrupt culture and even be engaged in the politics of a spiritually corrupt culture without allowing the corruption to infiltrate your soul. Now, it takes godly wisdom. It takes continual discernment. It takes unwavering commitment. It requires steadfast courage and unshakable confidence in God. But the last time I checked, God makes everything on that list available to those who trust Him. Now, more recently, we've been studying the complex, often hard-to-understand visions and prophecies that make up the second half of the book of Daniel. And though God is on record that some of those things won't be understood until the end of time, the prophecies did make one thing perfectly clear. This currently corrupted world that we are called to engage will not remain corrupted forever. Humanity's self-defeating rebellion against God has an expiration date. The Creator will have the final word over His creation and over His people. Now, in light of that and other truths that are illustrated in Daniel, I'd like to suggest it should be obvious that God intended this book in the Old Testament to be more than a collection of inspiring stories and ancient history and more than an intriguing glimpse into the future. I'd like to suggest God intended Daniel to be a living epistle of hope. Hope has been defined as the untiring conviction, the stubborn conviction that we aren't permanently locked into any predicament. There is a way out. And both halves of Daniel affirm that conviction. Both halves demonstrated that God's people are never truly stuck in any, any adversity. Being in Jesus always trumps being in a hard place. The one who is the way is able to make a way out of hardship for those who love him. So as we close our study of Daniel, today I want to suggest some principles illustrated in both halves of the book. Principles that will birth hope when it's hard to find and sustain our hope when it's being sorely challenged. And if you'll recognize and apply these principles, you'll be able to duplicate Daniel's experience. You'll be able to fulfill all the good plans that God has ordained for your life. Now, to get us out of the starting blocks, I want to read a declaration that Daniel made shortly after he arrived in Babylon. He spoke these words at a time when he appeared to be hopelessly stuck. And I doubt he had any idea how often he'd have to revisit these words 
and how often they would prove true in his experience. The declaration I'm reading comes from chapter 2, verses 21 and 22. Daniel said, God gives wisdom to wise men and knowledge to men of understanding. It is he who reveals the profound and hidden things. He knows what is in the darkness, and the light dwells with him. I'm entitling today's study, our closing study, Fulfilling Your Destiny in Babylon. Will you look to the Lord with me in prayer? Gracious Heavenly Father, in these coming moments, we want to hear from you. You alone have the words of eternal life. Father, it's my calling to preach and teach your truth faithfully, to echo your heart accurately. I cannot do that on my own, so as always, I ask for a fresh equipping from your Holy Spirit. And Father, we know that we can't comprehend your word on our own, let alone apply it. We need the power of the Spirit for both of those things. So I pray a fresh infilling from your Holy Spirit for every believer in this room. We want the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts to be pleasing, appropriate, acceptable in your sight. We want to be fully discipled followers of Jesus people who observe all of your commands because we know your commands and understand how they work. So toward that end, Spirit of the living God, meet us in a powerful way. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. And as we listen for God's voice to our hearts today, may the Lord be with you. If you are looking for a good biblical role model, you would be hard-pressed to do better than Daniel because he practiced uncompromised devotion to God and he fulfilled God's plans for his life even though he spent the bulk of that life in a hostile place known as Babylon. And I don't know if Daniel sang like Frank Sinatra, but if he did, there was probably a day when Daniel sang, If I Could Make It There then you could make it anywhere. And he wasn't talking about New York. And I suggest that because from the opening chapters of Genesis to the final chapters of the book of Revelation and many places in between, the Holy Spirit constantly employs Babylon as a symbol. It always symbolizes human arrogance and rebellion, human defiance of God, human idolatry, and the unrelenting opposition to the people of God. That's what Babylon stands for in Scripture. So the fact that Daniel made it in Babylon demonstrates the first of several principles I want to point out this weekend. And here's the first one. We can experience everything God intends for us no matter where no matter where we find ourselves. God is able to initiate, 
and God is able to accomplish his plans for us no matter our location, no matter our life situation. The community in which we live cannot prevent God's communing with our heart. No address can keep God from addressing the challenges we face with his love and power. God is able to liberate the hearts of those who are trapped in an abundance of poverty, and he is able to liberate the hearts of those who are trapped in the poverty of abundance. He is able to liberate the down and out and the up and out, those who feel cornered and those who occupy a corner office. He can alleviate the numbing despair of those who feel powerless and the numbing deceits of those who feel powerful. He can raise up overcomers from the ranks of those who have been overcome by cruelty, neglect, abandonment, bigotry, injustice, and abuse. But God can also make overcomers of those who have been overcome by the sins that make them cruel and neglectful and selfish and bigoted and unjust and abusive. Daniel is an example of the former. God made him an overcomer in the place of unspeakable abuse. Nebuchadnezzar is an example of the latter. He was the abuser, but God made him an overcomer. God throughout the book of Daniel shows again and again and again that there isn't a Babylon big enough to keep God out or prevent his work. And centuries after Daniel learned that, Jesus affirmed that. Because Jesus gathered his disciples together one day at a well-known place of pagan worship. And with that as a backdrop, Jesus made this promise. He said, I am going to build my church and the gates of hell, the ultimate Babylon, will not be able to stand against me. And Jesus gave us a preview of what he was talking about in those hours when his body was in the grave awaiting the resurrection. You'll remember that prior to Jesus' death and resurrection, actions whereby he conquered death and took back the keys of death, prior to that, Satan held the keys of death. Scripture teaches us that. So when saints like Daniel died, they weren't able to go immediately into God's presence. Instead, they went to a place of waiting. David referred to it as Sheol, the place of the dead. And you remember David said many centuries before Jesus, God, I don't know what you're going to do, how you're going to do it, when you're going to do it, but I know you're not going to leave me in the place of the dead. I know one day you're going to come for me. Well, Peter tells us in one of his epistles, while Jesus' body was in the grave awaiting resurrection, in his spirit, Jesus walked into the ultimate Babylon. He walked into the place of death and essentially said to Satan, I'm here for the people that belong to me. I'm going to take them out, and if you want to try to stop me, go ahead, make my day. And he led them out into God's heaven. Now, today, you and I don't have to wait for that 
Today, after the resurrection, to be absent from the body is to be where? Present with the Lord. But Daniel, Abraham, Moses, they all had to wait. And what was, what was Daniel thinking when he walked the same God who had walked with him in Babylon, walk into an even more ancient Babylon and lead him out? And you see, if Jesus can walk into that Babylon and lead out his people, he can lead you out of any Babylon in which you find yourself. Daniel's experience bears witness to a second reality. God can fulfill his plans for you no matter your starting point. You can always get from where you are to where God wants you. Always. And if it appears otherwise, then maybe you've laid hold of a wrong notion of where God wants you. When Daniel started his time in Babylon, he started there in a position of extreme weakness and vulnerability because he started as an Israeli exile, a victim of conquest and cruelty. He had been ripped from his family, his homeland, his faith community, and his culture. He lived with the knowledge that his feet would likely never again walk the streets of Jerusalem. He lived with the knowledge that his arms would likely never again embrace father and mother and family and friends back in Jerusalem. He lived with the knowledge that his voice would likely never again be heard by his childhood friends and fellow worshipers back in Jerusalem. Daniel had been born into royalty, but Daniel had been reduced to slavery, and that's a mighty long way to fall. And to reinforce his condition, his Babylonian captors educated him in all of their ignorance, all of their rejection of God, all of their ideologies, all of their idolatries. And worse, they gave him a name that every time it was spoken, honored a pagan deity. They were rubbing his nose in it. So it wouldn't be an exaggeration to say Daniel had been deprived of self-determination, making choices about his life in everything but his soul. His fate laid in the hands of people who saw him as an asset to be exploited, not a human being to be loved. He started in Babylon as a powerless minority in a cruel, unjust, racialized culture. Long before the African-American writer Ralph Ellison penned his classic Invisible Man, I have a hunch Daniel felt like an invisible man in Babylon. And Ellison noted, when you feel invisible long enough, you eventually want to stop feeling altogether. And I have a hunch Daniel entertained that desire in those early days, but he never succumbed to that desire because Daniel believed God's people are never invisible, even in Babylon. Because as the servant of Abraham, Hagar, learned in the desert years earlier, 
while she was literally on a death watch for her son. God is the God who sees. And Daniel, being aware of that fact, didn't allow his starting point of weakness to determine his finish. He didn't let Babylon define him. He let God define him. And one of the key things God's people have to learn is that we cannot allow our starting point, our situation, our location, other people, our culture to define us. We have to allow God to define us. So despite starting from a place of weakness, Daniel rose to a place of power and he fulfilled his destiny. And once again, centuries later, Jesus affirmed what Daniel practiced and learned. Because as Jesus was intentionally laying down his life for us, he spoke to a thief who was being crucified next to him. And he assured that thief, because of his faith, that very day he was going to be joining Jesus in paradise. Now, if Daniel could rise to power from a starting point of slavery... And if a thief could get to paradise from the starting point of a place of execution, you can get to your divinely intended destination no matter your starting point. In that same vein, Daniel's experience affirms that God wants to shape our destiny on the basis of where we're headed rather than where we've been on the basis of our destination rather than our past. God wants you to know that the past ended last night. And as I was thinking about how the enemy tries to use our past to keep us from our destination, it occurred to me that only rodents, raccoons, and Satan play in yesterday's garbage. God will never drag out yesterday's garbage in your life. eh? Because he doesn't want your destiny determined by that garbage, but by his grace. Another hope-affirming principle that's embedded in the narrative of Daniel is this. To fulfill our destiny in Babylon, we must obey God before we know all the details. Now, let's be honest, we don't like it that way. We much prefer to know all the details of what God's up to and how things are going to end before we obey God. But here's the reality Daniel teaches us. You will never know the details of what God's up to and how things are going to end until you obey God. Don't put the cart ahead of the horse. Daniel teaches us that discernment, knowing what's going on, knowing the truth, discernment doesn't unleash obedience. Obedience unleashes discernment. Those who do God's will will know God's voice. That's why I have no interest in listening to compromised believers in this culture 
who are violating one clear commandment of God after another and then presuming to tell other followers of Jesus what God wants of them. If you are living in disobedience to God, you cannot know what God wants of you or of anybody else. Disobedience makes us undiscerning, unaware, makes us gullible. We'll fall for anything. Obedience brings discernment. After all, why should God show you what he's up to if you're not going to do it? Daniel's experience in Babylon reminds us that the greatest hindrance to the life we desire is not the life that we inherited. It's the life we fail to live. I want you to read that with me. The greatest hindrance to the life we desire isn't the life we inherit. It's the life we fail to live. See, you have no control over the life you inherit. But you can choose the life you want to live. You can choose a life of unwavering confidence in a sovereign God. So I'd like to suggest that those with ears to hear will hear God's voice in both the stories and the visions of Daniel. And they'll hear God shouting. And here's what they'll hear God shouting. No Babylon, no Babylon, no Babylon has the power to prevent God's plans for your life. No condition, no circumstance can cancel his plans for you. No barrier is too big for him to overcome. No detour is too complicated that he can't get you back on your destined path. No addiction is too stubborn that he can't replace it with an addiction to his grace. No injustice is too wearying. No delay is too long. No resistance is too great. No principality or power is too powerful. No pain is too paralyzing. No betrayal is too disappointing. No disappointment is too domineering. No abuse is too numbing. No matter where you are, where you started, what you've experienced, what others have done to you, you can get from where God has allowed you to be to where God in his love wants you to be. Daniel lived an exemplary life. But he didn't live it in some perpetual Christian camp meeting. He lived it in Babylon. He lived it in a culture and a setting where he could have easily embraced victim status and witnessed the death of his hopes. Because again, what did Daniel live with? A nonstop assault, an everyday assault on his identity, on his faith, on his dignity, on his self-image, on his self of worth, sense of worth, on his status, on his aspirations and his dreams, on his key relationships, 
on his nation, on his family, on his future, on his concept of God, and his hopes. Those things were all assaulted every day, day after day, 24-7 in Babylon. But Daniel lived as a victor in Babylon, not as a victim of Babylon. He proved that the biggest challenge we face aren't big at all when you compare them to God. No matter what you're facing, it is small when you compare it to God. Now, it, it may look much bigger than you, and frankly, it is. But it's not bigger than God. No challenge is in God's weight class. No challenge will have God saying, ooh, I've never seen this before. What do we do in this scenario? Do we have an answer for this? You're never got to present God with anything that will stymie him, discourage him, run him off. So as we close, I simply want to say, I don't know what your Babylon is. I don't know where it started. I don't know who was involved in it. I don't know why it's continued this long. But this I do know. God can liberate you and make you an overcomer and fulfill your destiny, His plan for your unique life, and He can do it right there in Babylon. Now, if you're a believer, I hope the takeaway today will be one of hope and encouragement. If you're not yet a follower of Jesus, I hope your takeaway will be inviting Christ to step into your current Babylon. And I would ask, how's your Babylon working for you? Because it doesn't work for anybody. But Jesus is here. He wants to step into your Babylon and make you an overcomer and show you the plans he has had for your life and then turn them into a reality no matter what. So as we close, I want to give opportunity for that. If you're in this room and you're already a Jesus follower, you pray for anybody in the room who's not yet a Jesus follower because all of us who follow Jesus know what it's like to be on that side. So let's remember and let's pray. And then if you came here today and you've never made the conscious decision to ask the Lord Jesus Christ to change your heart, forgive your sin, and give you a new lease on life, and you feel you're ready to do that today, well, I want to remind you the only reason you're sensing that is because the Holy Spirit is pursuing you. And if you want to respond, if you want to run to Him rather than run from Him, in the quietness of your heart where God hears your every thought, Pray something along these lines. No magic words. God's just looking for the intent of your heart. But take a moment and confess, God, I've lived my life without you, and I've sinned against you. And then confess, Lord, I believe Jesus died and rose again, that I might be saved. And today I want to confess Jesus as my Lord. Grant me the new birth. Change my soul. Change my heart. Open my understanding. Help me to see reality.
take up your residence in me. And I'll confess you before others and testify to what you've done for me as you give me the power. And I thank you for hearing my prayer. Father, you're on record in your word that all who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. No exception, no asterisk. Doesn't matter what they're Babylon. All who call will be saved because it's your passion to restore broken people. And I pray for anyone who invited you in today. I pray that your Holy Spirit would rush into their spirit right now and just affirm Jesus is with you. He heard you. You've been saved. Look forward to life. And I pray that you would help them to get rooted and grounded in a church fellowship where your word will be taught and where those who've been on the road a bit longer can encourage and instruct them. And I pray that in the early hours of their faith, you would make them contagious, that they would share their newfound faith with friends and family. And Lord, I thank you that Jesus died to lead all who are open out of the Babylon of eternal condemnation and into the power and the privilege of being your children for eternity. And if you did it on that level, Help us to know you can do it on every other level. We can fulfill our destiny in Babylon because we have a great God with us. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.